Support for Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you as always by Manscaped for all your male grooming needs. We want to say thank you to our listeners who continue to support the podcast by shopping online at manscaped.com and getting 20% off your entire order with the promo code SUNNYNKC. You guys have helped us fund this podcast and keep bringing you guys Chiefs content every week, so we appreciate that. You already know about the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man with patented skin safe technology that makes getting nicked a thing of the past. But they also have a nice nail kit called the Shears 2.0, which has tempered stainless steel tools, including slash tip tweezers, round point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. I'm a personal believer in these products, and if you're frustrated with your electric razors running out of batteries, becoming dull, catching your skin, you owe it to yourself to try out Manscaped. Just remember to use promo code SUNNYNKC to get 20% off your entire order. Manscaped, take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, so I was watching TV and I heard a bang in my backyard or what sounded like in my backyard, somewhere right outside my house. And then what I could have sworn was the sound of glass shattering. And it kind of brought me to a sad realization, which is that if I hear something in my house and I'm alone in the house right now, my first instinct, so most people's first instinct is like someone's breaking in, right? Or at least something crashed or happened or whatever yeah sure. my first my first instinct is that one of the people that i argued with on twitter about football is here to kill me <laughs> yeah well we got a lot of we got a lot of haters online i gotta say i i know that feeling of being of being in too deep you know you're yeah you're trading barbs you're trading barbs and then it's suddenly fun, it's fun it's serious the other person's not having fun and yeah. in fact they have murderous intent. <laughs> and for you, I mean, you even put your real name on your Twitter, which is a, a rookie mistake. Big I, mistake. I, I went anonymous when I, I gained my first level of internet fame when I was tweeting about Kareem Hunt, you know, because I'm a prosecutor and I had some thoughts about that, you know, incident that he got cut from the Chiefs for. Yeah. And I literally like... I mean, less than half an hour after I posted this thread, I got like one or two responses. I was like, this is not going to work. I got to trade out my avatar. I got to scrub my real name. I got to scrub all references to my career. I don't want somebody calling my boss. And I certainly don't want somebody coming to my house to murder me. Yeah, well, fortunately, if, uh, if I am putting everything out there, I must include the fact that I have a giant dog who's 130 yeah, oh, pounds and who has, who has won a dog fight against a pit bull not a not an organized dog fight a spontaneous dog fight but <laughs> he, he he means business and he's here to protect me and i have a shotgun by my bed because i live alone so uh if any of my haters are stalking me and you know listening to the show and plotting their next move figuring you know i i heard them i heard the glass break tonight so they scattered away and now they're back at their houses and they're listening to the pod getting angry just know that I'm prepared for you. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, my barriers are both anonymity as well as uh, geographical. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that uh, nobody is going to make the trek out here. Although, you know, although you might... piss off a bunch of Broncos fans, we, you're kind of in do, the heart. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like I'm at yeah. least surrounded by Chiefs fans. Here. That's true. I am in enemy territory, and I yeah. do not have the benefit of having a 130 pound dog. My dog weighs about 20 pounds, soaking <laughs> wet. She's uh, getting up there. She's an ankle biter. She's very yeah. fierce, but uh, but the the guns, the home security, you know, I just rely on my wits. So, you know, if I hear the glass shattering, you're probably going to hear my glass shattering by my window because I'm jumping out and I'm bailing.
Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs. Find us on Twitter at SI Chiefs. And of course, our sponsor, Manscaped. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter, not my real name, at Real Bird Lawyer. And you would be surprised to learn that that is not my real profession either. I do, do know a thing about the law. Go tip for tat. As always with me is my man, Taylor Witt, who <laughs> you can find on Twitter at Taylor underscore Witt. Fortunately, his address is not of public record, and he does have a large attack dog and a shotgun by his bed. For all the haters, Taylor, what's going on? <laughs> well, I am uh, sounding a little bit more healthy than you. What's, you got a, got a little tickle in your throat? I got a little bit of the plague. I do not have COVID. I don't think. I took a test, but my wife took a test a couple of days ago. She's COVID negative. So I think I, think I just have a cold, uh, but it's, you know, it's one of you those never things. know these days. It's going around. You really do not ever know. And we're so close here to the end. We recently got the British COVID over here. You know, the, the mutated strain. Uh, we have a confirmed case of that in Colorado. I don't know how that happened because the guy did not travel. So I don't know, man. I think it's probably been here the whole time. Probably. But we got to get across the finish line. That vaccine is getting rolled out. And uh, hopefully I don't have the COVID. But I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm actually, this is... This is better than I felt in a couple of days, if you can believe that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sweat through it. I'm going to grit through it for our listeners. It is December 30th, 2020. We have one day left in this miserable, wretched year. We have a lot to look forward to in this episode and beyond. We are going to very briefly <laughs> re- Extremely recap. Extremely briefly. Just, I, I don't want to talk about it. I, we didn't want to talk about the Raiders game that they lost. And this game, I want to talk about almost even less than that. Yeah. Uh, but we are going to talk about it as a, we're sort of contractually obligated to discuss Chiefs games and, in particular, Chiefs wins. We're going to spend some time talking about play- playoff seating scenarios in the AFC. That's going to be a little bit more fun. We got a lot of mailbag questions, which was awesome, and we'll probably take more for next week's episode because, you know, Chiefs are just kind of chilling and hanging out. Uh, and then we'll, I guess we'll very briefly preview the Chiefs versus the Chargers Week 17 matchup coming this week. The Chiefs meaningless us we don't care don't hey it's a big game for the henny badger though it's a big game for the henny badger it's probably a big game for a handful of guys on the roster we'll get into that a little bit but uh, do you want to talk about chiefs falcons what what do you want to what do you want well i mean if the question is do i want to talk about it no but i mean we you know we we have a job to do austin we have you know we're here for the people we're professionals and the people want to know what happened with that falcons game and really if i had the answer i would be telling you, but I don't really know what happened with the Falcons game. I know that um, the Falcons aren't very good. They are helmed their defense, or at least a defensive assistant is the one and only Bob Sutton. And they were the 32nd ranked pass defense coming into this game. And they were four and 10. So like, I don't care what else the chiefs have going on. I don't care if the chiefs are a 500 team. I I don't, they should have clowned these kids. And instead it was a nail biter as we have come to expect every chiefs game to be over the last seven games. And I don't know. It, it's, it's fine. It is what it is. They won. It, this is one of the first games in this streak that the chiefs have going now seven straight games by one score. This is the first game in this streak where it really felt like the chiefs could have lost. I, I mean, the Panthers game, certainly the Panthers had the ball. They were driving. They almost, they did kick a field goal that would have won them the game. I mean, from 67 yards, come on, sure. we're going to make it. Uh, the Raiders game obviously was close. It came down to the Chiefs having a game-winning drive and then having to stop their car. But man, the Chiefs probably should have lost this game. Uh, yeah. 
the Falcons dropped an interception in the end zone one play before Patrick Mahomes threw the go-ahead touchdown in this game. And you're right. I mean, it's hard to explain. Everybody's asking what's wrong with the Chiefs, what's wrong with the Chiefs offense. I think, you know, if I had to put it down to one thing, I think it comes down to the offensive line play was not very good. And, And frankly, Patrick Mahomes was not very good. I know that's actually two things, but I did see the Falcons do have the fifth highest pass rush win rate in the NFL. So while their pass defense is not very good, their pass rush actually has been fairly effective this year. Man, the Chiefs, the Chiefs really needed this buy, and uh, yeah. they really needed this essentially two week buy just to get healthy on the offensive line and and frankly to get their quarterback healthy. I mean, Patrick Mahomes took a beating against the mm-hmm. Saints, and I think he was feeling it a little bit in this game. Yeah, the Saints are a physical team. They knocked him down a ton, and I think he was I, hit twelve times in that game, right? Yeah, exa- yeah. I mean, he was he was running all over the place. He he definitely, um, you know, they like you said, he needs a little bit of a breather. And I just don't think that if I think if the race for the one seed was a little tighter, that the Chiefs would have been in playoff mode against the yeah. Falcons. You know, they they knew what was at stake, but they also knew that they had. They knew that they could have lost that game and even really lost the Chargers game and probably still been fine for the one seed. They had a 78% chance of locking up a three-way tie, even if they lost out. So, I mean, I I think that this team, as we have seen at least over the last calendar year, or then a little bit more, they get going when the going gets tough. That's just the way that they've always operated. And we've seen it in two minute drives. We've seen it when they've been, you know, when the game's been huge, when it's been under the lights, if it was Monday night at Baltimore or whatever, you know, if the the game matters, these guys show up and sure, maybe they don't have their a game against a four and 10 Atlanta team that they see once every eight years or whatever, but it's just, um, it's fine. Everything's fine. They yeah, are 14 and one. They, they have the, the buy locked up. They are going to have two weeks of rest. I do not think that two weeks off is any detriment to the team. I, I know a lot of people are really worried about rest versus rust. Yeah. And, let's talk about that. Sure. So you've got a lot of examples or at least enough to where people point to them of past teams. Um, you've got some Colts teams that did it. Some Packers teams, never really a Patriots team though, that, gets a first round by that sits guys week 17. And then after a couple weeks off, they come out there and they don't look their best. And that's the narrative. That's what people want to say. They want to say every team that gets a first round by, you know, that rest guys in week 17, they're, they're sitting too long, but that's just not really how the data plays out. Um, there's obviously the last six Super Bowls have been participated by both teams that had a first round by. So like, don't tell me that resting late in the year isn't good for your team. It's absolutely, it's not just the free win, it's the rest too. So I don't buy it. Um, I'm very much looking forward to the Chiefs getting healthy for two weeks. Yeah, and it, I, I mean, obviously, if one week of rest is good, uh, the argument has to be that one re- week of rest is good, but two weeks of rest is bad. I, I just don't subscribe to that. I mean, it, there's something to be said for them getting some live game action uh, to stay sharp, I guess that's the argument, is that you want them to go out and play half the game against the Chargers so that they remember what it's like to play football. That's what Andy so that, already said. These yeah. guys aren't going to forget the plays. Like right. This, is just, a, this right. is just something that people cook up that have never played football. And the thing is, I mean, 
do you want to, I tweeted this out. Do you want to send Patrick Mahomes out behind this offensive line right now with him a little bit banged up against the Chargers pass rush? No. In week 17 when they don't have anything to play for? Definitely Except not. for spoiling the Chiefs season. You know what would really spoil our season is if somebody gets hurt. Like yeah, a quarterback. game. I, it just, it doesn't. And he would get skewered if he did that. Yeah. I mean, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm glad the Chiefs are doing the sensible thing here and resting their starters. We'll talk about that a little bit when we get to the Chargers preview, quote unquote, at the end. We should talk about the defense though, because man, the defense was really good in this game and they've been really pretty good the last couple of weeks. They're rounding into form. Yeah, they um, they definitely showed up against – now, Atlanta might not be able to stop anybody, but those dudes can sure score. I mean, there's sure. no one's ever debated whether Atlanta could score. And that offense, they didn't have Julio, but Calvin Ridley's really nasty, and he had a really good game. And, you know, Matt Ryan's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's a definitely sharp, and they, they could have given up points. They could have lost this game 28-17 or whatever, and they just – although – I think you and I both subscribe to if the Falcons had been scoring in this game, I think the Chiefs would have been scoring too, right? Like, don't they just kind of feel the opponent out and go with whatever the flow of the game seems to be? And if the Falcons were going up there and putting up points on the board every drive, I just think the Chiefs would have matched them, and they they didn't. And um, the defense has they, – they certainly looked good against the Falcons. They really had a good showing against a good Saints team that was banged up but that – um, you know, they've, like you said last week, they've got Camara, they've got ability to give the chiefs a lot of trouble and, you know, they, sh- they showed up for a big portion of the Miami game. They've really been playing pretty well recently. And I just hope that they're good enough to be there when we need them. Like that's all, that's all you can ask. You know, uh, it was really encouraging to see the pass rush show up. And that's been, I think, the biggest difference in addition to obviously some playmakers in secondary, in particular, Legereus Sneed. Yes. It was great again. But Frank Clark had uh, another sack in this game, and he's been showing up now a couple weeks in a row that we finally heard his name after a very long stretch where he was pretty quiet. And, you know, he obviously, like it, it takes me back to now he didn't have quite the dry spell last year that he did this year in the middle of the season, but he certainly worked through some stuff. He obviously had that, that debilitating sickness where he lost like 25 pounds late in the season, right before the Patriots game and played through it. And it was awesome. And then had a sack in every one of the playoff games. It would be really nice to see him rounding in a form. And it feels like that's what's happening. Now the Falcons were missing some of their offensive linemen. Obviously they didn't have Julio Jones, who's important in their offense, but it was nice to see the defense step up and, you know, just like it was in the first year of Steve Spagnuolo and our first, you know, championship run with this roster, like the defense was a really important part of that. And, you know, a month ago, I would have said, I don't know if they're necessarily ready. I mean, ready to win if the offense is performing at 2018 levels, maybe, but if the offense is performing at 2019 levels, you know, late 2020, we've seen them, you know, sputter from time to time, maybe not. And so it was really nice to see them get some of their swagger back. The team feels a lot like last year's team, which makes sense because it's most of last year's team, but like pretty much the same, but they, the defense is about the level that I expected. And especially late in the year last year from the last couple regular season games through the playoff run where like, yeah, they're not the 85 bears, but they don't need to be with their offense. They just need to be good enough to to put some pressure on the other team, force some turnovers, make some stuff happen, get some get some plays in the backfield when they need to and give the offense give the ball back to the offense. And 
they were definitely they're showing that form right now. I don't know if it's going to continue through the playoffs. I sure hope it will. It does look like it's a trend and not a blip. It does look like they've been building on some stuff and slowly getting better and, and stuff like that. They haven't really fallen off the cliff this year and then dug out of it. They've just kind of been slowly getting better. And uh, the pass rush is something that, you know, everybody's out there looking for the two stars. Everybody's looking for Jones and Clark and they want to see the sack numbers and all that stuff. And Jones has got seven and a half sacks on the year, first on the team and Clark's second on the team with six. But what I thought was really interesting is there are five players with two or more sacks that are not Jones and Clark. And of those five players, you've got Mike Dana, who is third on the team at two and a half sacks, which is – this draft class is incredible. Yeah, fourth on the absolutely. team – well, tied for fourth are these four guys with two sacks each. You've got Deshaun Wharton, who was an amazing pickup. You've yeah. got Alex Okafor, who I'm glad he came back. He had a good year last year, and he's kind of basically played that same role this year. Taco did pick up two sacks before he went on the IR – and then Legarius Sneed. Legarius Sneed has two sacks. He is in the top. He's the fourth highest sack getter on the team, which is, you know, he's obviously missed a ton of time and he's a quarterback. He's a safety. So um, just a lot of, a lot of athletes, a lot of great draft picks between Dana and Sneed um, and Willie Gay, who has really rounded into form a lot recently. Um, sure, and Wharton too. I and mean, Wharton, not who was undrafted, part of the draft class. Tommy but. Townsend was undrafted. I mean, these guys are they, they each nailed it with this draft class. He really knocked it out of the park. I want to make one final point before we move on to the playoff scenarios from this game because yeah. I, I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Yeah, me neither. I'm Scoring done. 17 points was a gross feeling. Second lowest point output at the Patrick Mahomes era after that horrible Colts game that we vow never to talk about on the podcast. And you uh, but I, up anyway. I, I know <laughs> it's, it's like John Elway for me a little bit. It just gets under my skin. Check them off. Yep, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Yep. If you've got always sunny bingo, you can check both of those ones off. Um, I just wanted to make a point about the offense. Cause you kind of mentioned the defense running in a form at the end of last season, the offense wasn't very good in the last month of the season last year. Good so point. they had that funky game against the Raiders where they scored 40 points, but only had, 259 total yards and then the next four games they scored 23 against the Patriots 23 against the Broncos 26 against the Bears and 31 against the Chargers and in the Chargers game they only had 174 passing yards yep they only had 162 rush yards and almost all of that or at least half of that was on that one play from Damian uh, Williams so the offense really was not amazing down the stretch last year I mean they were fine they were okay they were good enough to win and the defense won a lot of those games down the stretch in games that the Chiefs really did need to win last year they obviously they didn't secure the two seed until the very last game of the season and in in the final quarter of that season thank you Ryan Fitzpatrick again yes but then we all remember what the Chiefs offense did in the playoffs Uh, 51 against the Texans 35 against the Titans and 31 in the Super Bowl against the 49ers so pretty good I don't think we need to worry about the offense. Let's talk about playoff scenarios. Cool. Let's do it. So we don't know exactly who the Chiefs are going to play yet. We're not going to know that for two more weeks. Obviously, week 17 will determine which teams are in. And the first round of the playoffs will determine who advances and who the Chiefs will play. But we do know some information now, Taylor. We know the Chiefs cannot play the two seed or the three seed. And we know the two seed and three seed will be 
in some order, Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Uh, we also know that the Chiefs will not be playing the Las Vegas Raiders in any round of the playoffs. That's true because they have been eliminated and they will not be making the playoffs this year. And uh, that's, a, that's a tough scene, Taylor, because uh, did you know, I, I think we talked about this this week, but uh, the uh, Raiders have one winning season since uh, 2002. That is the fewest winning seasons since 2002 in the entire NFL. One. Yep, one than, season. Fewer than the Cleveland Browns, fewer than the Detroit Lions, fewer than everybody. They've had and they one needed season. so many breaks in that season for it to be a winning season. They had the most just ridiculous luck. I just remember watching every one of those 12 wins and being like, this team sucks. And no, it was a joke. So the Chiefs will play. Uh, we're just going to run through these really quickly, and then we'll obviously we'll be talking about it more next week when we know who's in, and we'll be talking about it more the week after that when we know who the Chiefs are going to play. But the Chiefs can only play from the four seed on down. The way that the NFL playoff scenarios work is that the Chiefs will play the lowest seed that advances to the second round of the playoffs. If that's the four seed, that means that the two seed and the three seed both won. And the four seed one as well. That's the only way the Chiefs could play the four seed. Right now, the four seed is going to be the division winner with the worst record, which can only be the AFC South at this point. There's a 66% chance we see Tennessee in the four seed, a 33% chance we see the Colts. So if the Chiefs play the four seed, that means that Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and the AFC South team in the four seed all win. And the Chiefs would be playing either the Titans or the Colts in the first round of the playoffs. That'd be a pretty good scenario, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, I I don't really know, and I've said this to you on the side, but I don't really know what to think about these AFC South teams, either of them, either Tennessee or Indianapolis. Like, they have aspects that on paper make me feel like it would be a tough matchup, but also they just don't really do anything for me. They just – Tannehill and Rivers are both just fine, and their weapons are all just fine – and I just don't really – and their defense is – I mean, Tennessee's got, frankly, a bad defense. And yes. Indianapolis good. has a really good one. But they just – I just don't know. I don't know how I would feel going into that game. But I think you're right that it's probably a good situation. So the five seed, we would play the five seed if the five seed wins and the six and seven seeds both lose. So the five seed would be the lowest seed to advance. Six and seven seeds would both need to lose and the five seed would need to win. Now this one's a grab bag. Yep. It's not really the AFC South. That's only a 2% chance of Tennessee and a 3% chance for Indy. It'd be a 28% chance that we'd see Miami in that spot, 53% for Baltimore and 14% for Cleveland. So we've got a big AFC North component there, either Baltimore or Cleveland. And then the Miami Dolphins as well. So just really quickly, the Dolphins, the uh, Browns, and the Ravens, and the Titans for that matter, they are all winning in this weekend. If they win their game, they are in the playoffs and the Colts would be out. The Colts need to win plus have one of those four teams lose and they would make the playoffs. So we're looking at a pretty strong likelihood that the five seed is the Ravens. And if the Ravens advance and the six and seven seeds lose out of that five spot, the Chiefs will be playing the Ravens in the first round. We'll talk about that if and when that happens. Lamar would have to win a playoff game first. So I don't know. That doesn't really move me all that much. Yeah. um, I think the matchup with Baltimore with Lamar coming off of a playoff win is very intriguing. It's that's true. He's got the monkey off his back at that point. He's won a playoff game and he's playing the other team that he needs to get the monkey off his back, which is beating the chiefs. And 
you know, if they just won a playoff game, they probably, you would imagine, beating the four seed looked good enough to where they would have a lot of people saying, I don't know, guys, Kansas City, you know, they won their last seven games by six (laughs) points or less. And this Baltimore team, I think they're really rounded into shape at the right time. You'd get a ton of people on upset alert there, which is kind of fun because, honestly, I don't really want everyone to be like, oh, the Chiefs are going to blow everybody out. Like, I – I want there to be a sense of urgency with the team and that would be a good way to get it done for sure. Absolutely. So the sixth seed, that would be the chief's opponent. If the seventh seed loses and the sixth seed wins, that's all we need to ensure the six is the team that the chiefs play. That's again, a 22% chance for Baltimore and a 44% chance it's Cleveland. So again, we've got a big AFC North component there. You've got a little bit of an AFC South component, 9% chance it's Tennessee, 17% chance it's Indy, and an 8% chance it's Miami. So we're looking at a fairly similar breakdown there, except Cleveland is the most likely opponent out of the sixth seed, with Baltimore being the second most likely opponent if the sixth seed advances. And Cleveland, frankly, would be a dream matchup out of yeah. all these teams that could make the playoffs. I mean, totally. they just lost to the Jets. They lost to the <laughs> Jets. That's all. That's really all you have to say about the Browns. I I get that they've got Miles Garrett, but the rest of their defense, frankly, stinks. Yep. And Baker, Baker stinks. Mayfield stinks. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I don't really have any ill will towards Kareem Hunt, but, you know, there'd be, I guess, a little bit of a revenge component, certainly from his perspective. But you got to think the Chiefs would have a little bit of a revenge component there as well. Because I know that I know that I think I think you're one of the people among these ranks, but there are a lot of people in Chiefs Kingdom that feel like if the Chiefs had Kareem Hunt in 2018, they win the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very. It's almost easy. like playing D Ford. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's at least easy to imagine it. I don't know if it would have happened, but it's certainly a scenario where you say, "Man, Kareem was really nasty. He was really good." And if they had him in a year that they barely, barely, barely lost a game, you know, like he could have made the difference, but. Um, I agree with you that Cleveland is the dream playoff matchup. That is the one there where if, if the Chiefs can somehow get that figured out to play Cleveland, well, I guess if Cleveland could get it figured out to play the Chiefs. Um, and that would also include, because if they're the sixth there and they beat the three, which is probably going to be Pittsburgh, which yep. is really not that impressive of a playoff win. Pittsburgh right. sucks. And, and so it's not like they're knocking off. So like if they had beaten, if, if, Buffalo ends up getting the three and Cleveland beats Buffalo and then goes to Kansas city. Then you're like, all right, I I might not respect you guys very much as a team, but at least if you knocked off a good Buffalo team, like we got to take you seriously. But like if Cleveland beats Pittsburgh in the first round and then comes to Kansas city, they're going to get trashed. Like that's just not a very, um, not a very scary matchup for the chiefs at all. I would pick them as my number one team. I would want to play in the first game. I agree. So the seven seed there again is a, a pretty strong AFC South component here. 15% chance it's Tennessee, 28% chance it's the Colts if they make it in at all. It's not very likely to be Baltimore, only an 8% chance for Baltimore, a 28% chance for Cleveland, and a 29% chance for Miami, which is really the only team that we haven't talked about here. The thing about yep. the seventh seed is the only way the Chiefs play the seventh seed is if the seventh seed wins. That's the yep. only way that they can play it. If the seventh seed wins, that's that's who the Chiefs play because that's the lowest seed that would advance. Frankly, if the seventh seed wins its game, great, because they probably beat the Bills, the Bills, and we're which is the yeah. second best team in the AFC right now. And, you know, 
whoever that is, whichever one of those five teams makes it as a seven seed, if they knock off the Bills, great, bring them on. I, I yep. mean, I guess there there are some scenarios here where if one of these teams goes to Buffalo and beats the Bills, maybe maybe you're a little bit afraid of them. I don't know if Baltimore, yeah. if Lamar got the the monkey off his back and went and beat Josh Allen in Buffalo. I, I don't know, maybe, but again, I mean, it's a good scenario for us because whatever team comes out of that seven seed, if they beat the bills, the bills are a better team. And yep. if they, they remove the better team from our path to the Super Bowl, So be it. That'd be great. Yeah. That's, it's a much different scenario than if the six beats Pittsburgh, because I am not afraid of Pittsburgh at all. I, in fact, I would very much like to play Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Um, I don't think it's going to end up happening just based on their seating. And, yeah. Cause they're going to lose. Know, Cause they're going to lose. Exactly. But um that's a much different feeling to me than if the seven beats the two, then you're just like, all right, it doesn't matter who the seven is. That's a win. That's you, you take that all day long. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's an interesting breakdown. It's an interesting field. There's a lot of teams that are fine. They're playoff teams, you know, they're, they're good football teams, but like, there's no Patriots in this. There's no Peyton Manning's Colts or Broncos or anything like that. Like these teams are all just fine. They're all just teams. Nobody's, nobody's really that scary. They're all very beatable. And so Chiefs have just got to take care of business and win. We're the favorites now. It's kind of a little bit of a different feeling this year than it was in previous years because we've done it. And we're the defending champions. We have the best record in the league and we're the one seed. And so, you know, while it obviously was hugely disappointing in 2018 when they came so close to making it to the Super Bowl and they fell short, that's a totally different feeling than when you're supposed to go to the Super Bowl. Yep. And you, you get knocked out. Like if the chiefs don't make it to the Super Bowl, that'll be a completely new kind of disappointment for chiefs fans. Right. Like, because yes, yes. this is the first time that we would have been favored to go to the Super Bowl. This is the first time we're supposed to go to the Super Bowl and win it. And so if they can't take care of business, uh, I guess that'll be a new kind of heartbreak for us to experience as chiefs fans. And, totally. You know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Eventually, you're probably eventually, right. maybe, but probably not this year. <laughs> maybe not. Uh, <laughs> and you know, in '18, they lost to Tom Brady, which, as much as we hated and everything, you know, it wasn't some plucky underdog. And Bill Belichick that knocked him out. And Bill Belichick, probably more importantly, Bill Belichick. But yes, the, you know, the point is, they they didn't blow it in any way. Like they were a good team, but they lost to a, a you know one of the best dynasties in sports history. And the other times that the Chiefs have been positioned to win a Super Bowl in our lifetimes, especially I'm thinking of 2003 when they were 13 and three. Yes. You know, they had the offense and all that stuff. I I love Trent green, but he was no Peyton Manning as you saw in the playoff game where Colts didn't punt. I mean, it's not only are the chiefs, the best team, which we've been a couple times in franchise history, but they also have the best quarterback. And that's, that's the combo where, you know, not only has the body of work been good, good enough this year for the whole team but like man what what team's gonna be able to beat Patrick Mahomes I just don't I don't see it and it's the feeling is is insane it's very we have the best we have the best head coach as well we do that's right especially in the playoffs but we are we are the Patriots this year we have the best quarterback and the best head coach so if we don't win it's going to be hugely disappointing hopefully we never have to talk about that let's talk about the mailbag uh, we've got one from James Partridge at Fun and James 85. Kaka! Kaka! Podcast question. Since I've seen the Super Bowl 54 ring so much, I've looked at several past rings. Rank your top five 
non-cheese Super Bowl rings. So I had to do a deep dive on this. I don't know about you, Taylor, but I was not an expert on Super Bowl rings before we got this question. But it was a fun little dive. And so for me, I'm judging on a couple of main criteria. Certainly aesthetics, I want to know what it looks like. It's got to look cool. I also have really enjoyed this recent trend of throwing shade on your Super Bowl ring, whether that is posting the scores of the teams that you've defeated, you know, some cool slogan of you rubbing your nose in your defeated enemy's face, whatever it is. So uh, the Steelers' last two rings I really like. They obviously have six total. The reason I like them is because they got this nice pop of color for the Steelers' logo that those four colors – I don't even know what that represents, by the way. The little quad color thing, I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. I didn't look it up. But the more color in a ring, the better. Uh, and so the most recent one actually literally looks like a Thanos gauntlet with Infinity Stones in it. It's really pretty cool. Uh, so I like both of those. Those would both be kind of in my top five non-choose rings. The Eagles ring is very cool. Uh, it has a waterfall of 127 diamonds in it, which is uh, the jersey numbers of the three players involved in Philly Special. Corey Clement, number 30, Trey Burton, number 88, and Nick Foles, number nine. So that adds up to 127. Yeah, they're always doing this fun stuff with numbers on your ring. You know, I'm pretty sure they just counted how many diamonds I know. Are in it, and then they're like, what can we do with yeah, 127? What, what can we do with this, for sure? Yeah. Apparently, it also has a dog mask engraved on the inside. Did you know that about the dog mask? Yeah, a dog mask, which is weird because they're the Eagles, right? But I guess they're they're underdogs, you know, Nick Foles, whatever. I I mean, that's pretty badass, you know, putting a a dog in there. Yeah. Uh, And then the the Packers original World Champions ring from nineteen. Yes. It's pretty cool. Like I, I assumed that all the old rings would suck uh-huh. because this was back when football players got paid like fifty bucks to play <laughs> a football season, <laughs> right. and I assumed that their rings would be, you know, equally shitty. Yeah. And they are, but it's a pretty cool classic design. It says World Champions on either side. It doesn't say Super Bowl because obviously it wasn't called that then. And it's just got a big football-shaped globe in the middle, which is cool. You know, like longitude and latitude lines, and then a big old honking diamond in the middle. It's kind of fun. Um, that's only four, Taylor. And to be honest with you, I struggled to find a fifth. So I'm picking the Chiefs. I don't care. The <laughs> Super Bowl 54 ring, I've looked at all of them now. I've looked at yeah. all the Super Bowl rings. Yeah. It's the best one. It is. It just, the, the rubies, they really pop. The red, I love it. The shade, you know, the scores of the, the teams that we defeated. It's great. It's a great ring. I agree. Um, I think there are some rings that as you look at them over the years, you can kind of tell when a style change shifted. And yeah. I think I think the Chiefs represents a style change. I think that I they they set the tone there. It's so it just pops, and there's just a lot of glitz and glam to it that I feel like objectively, like if I was just looking at all these rings without being a sports fan, I'd be like, oh, that one's that one's definitely the best. So Chiefs fans like their rings to pop. They they do exactly. Um, I can't really separate, or at least I tried to and couldn't the teams from the rings. So like, for example, I'm never going to pick a Patriots ring in this little exercise. Uh, I know, for me I know the Broncos. Yeah. and, and the Broncos. I mean, I, I, yeah. what I mean by that is if I look at the ring and I see a team that I hate, I just, I hate the ring. I just hate it. So uh, on the flip side of that, the reason that I gravitated towards the Eagles ring is because it was a defeat of the Patriots and I love the game. And it was the most yes. yards ever in any NFL game, most combined yards. Sure, it was an incredible game. And you know, like you said, Philly special, all that, all that good stuff. And the ring looks great. It's got some green in it. It's got the big Eagle logo in the middle with the, with the Lombardi. I just really, I think that ring was really classy and cool. Um, I also thought that the giants rings, and again, maybe that's because it defeated the Patriots, but it's got 
four Lombardis for because the the most recent one they uh, won was their fourth one, and it just a lot of diamonds in it, a lot of blue. I really like the blue in the in the Giants ring, so I thought that one was pretty cool. Um, the Saints one when they defeated the Colts, um, that one has a lot of gold in it, which I guess after having looked at these, I just really like the gold. I think it looks really kingly and cool, and uh, the Saints one had a ton of gold in that. And then finally, there was an old Baltimore Colts one from I think mm. like their fifth Super Bowl, the fifth Super Bowl. It's very blue. It's got this blue background with the with the horseshoe. And you know, I uh I might have hated Peyton Manning's Colts, but I had nothing against Johnny Unitas's Colts. So that's sure. no big deal for me. And uh just thought that was a really classy one. It was the 19 it was the one after the Chiefs won the 70-71 season. So I uh, like that one a lot. So yeah, there's a lot of really neat ones. I kind of expected, like you said, to for the old ones to just be kind of crappy and just be yeah. like old like like Cracker Jack rings. You sure. Know, right. But I yeah. mean, no, they, they knew what they were doing. They knew that these were big deals and they are all studded with diamonds and pretty balled out. Um I'm I'm a fan of some of these older ones. I'll tell you my my sixth row, my favorite, my second favorite ring is uh, the Super Bowl champions 2021 Super Bowl champions ring. Haven't seen it yet. Ooh. I know it's going to be dope, though. It's going to be great. It's going to be hot. We got another one from another Bird of War. We actually have two in a row here from our guy, Jordan Scarron. If you had to decide a cover athlete for Madden 22, who would it be and why? <laughs> I would love them to announce a new route for Madden and create something like NBA 2K Neighborhood. Call it Madden 22 Comeback Edition and Alex Smith is cover boy. I... I don't know a lot about NBA 2K Neighborhood, Taylor, I'm going to be honest, but I love the idea of creating like a separate edition for Madden. I I mean, I don't love it because it's cash grab and the entire existence of Madden is a cash grab. And we've discussed many times on the pod previously. Madden is my John Elway, basically. Yes. I I just hate it. Check that off of the Always Sunny and Cheese Kingdom bingo card as well. Taylor for the blackout this time. It's fine. But I love the idea of Alex Smith being on the cover. And yeah. I think anything to honor him and this season, it looks by the way he practiced today. So it looks like he will be back. And we yep, he's on track to play. In a must-win game for the football team. <laughs> uh, that would be great. <laughs> I, would, I would love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's, it's a great idea. Of course, Jordan gives the most banger of banger answers there for Alex Smith because you really can't top that. Um, if I had to pick a different athlete, um, for me, I thought this year, at least for a big majority of it, the emergence of Kyler Murray was a lot of fun. And it was. He basically did a lot of the same things that Lamar did last year, as far as as kind of you know being unstoppable on the ground, and yet he could still also throw, and he was really fun, and he just really he kind of had that same formula that Lamar had, and. It worked really well, and the Cardinals were fun, and they might be able to get in the playoffs if things go well this week for him. And um, I just feel like he probably embodies, like, new cool athlete of this year. And I think I would probably give it to him. Um, I I wish Joe Burrow hadn't gotten hurt. I I really felt like he was kind of building onto a a nice rookie year that could have been a fun little, you know, Madden 22 type of deal. But, well, obviously with his injury, he can't go that direction. So I would probably go Kyler there, but obviously first choice, Alex. Yeah. Our second question from Jordan, if you could sign any starting QB from any other team in the NFL to play a Taysom Hill role on the chiefs, who would it be and why? What kind of play would you run with them? Well, 
I don't know, Taylor. Let's let's uh, let's have you lead off this one. I want to hear what what you're thinking here. Well, so if you're signing a quarterback to play a non-quarterback role, obviously the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. They've got that part set. But so if you're just looking at athletes that play the quarterback position, I don't really know how you can find an answer better than Lamar. I think that in the open field, he is still as electric as any player in the NFL. Kick returners, anybody. I mean, I just think he Lamar gets it when he's running with the ball. I don't know what else he gets. I don't know if he's ever going to be a good quarterback, but I know that he's extremely good at running the ball. And if you put Lamar on this team, get him out in some space, if he can catch a little dump off, which I don't know if he can, but if he could, um, or you just hand it off to him, whatever. I, I like his role as like a running back, scat back type of player. I don't really see an answer that I like more than that. I would say the only, the only, different direction I think you could go with it I think there's two other possibilities one would be Deshaun Watson and obviously he's not quite as dynamic a runner as Lamar is nobody is frankly as a dynamic runner as Lamar if Lamar was a legitimate running back he'd be like the best running back in the league yeah but Deshaun Watson can actually throw which uh, I think would add a really fun dynamic to it um I mean the kind of what makes about, Taysom Hill dangerous. Well, exactly, exactly. But Taysom Hill can't really throw. And that's no. that's exactly like Taysom Hill and Lamar are cut from the same cloth there. They're guys that are good at running the ball and can throw, but they're not really that good at throwing. And I, I don't really want to lump Lamar in with Taysom Hill as a passer because we all know that Taysom Hill is a better passer than Lamar. But Deshaun would be a fun one, and I feel like that could really open up some really cool dynamics with like double passes and things like that. Plus, never see. My God, the Chiefs desperately want Patrick Mahomes to catch a touchdown pass. We didn't talk about it from this week, but on fourth and one, they ran a trick play to Patrick Mahomes, which ended with him getting mossed in the end zone for an interception thrown by Sammy Watkins. So they desperately want it. That would be a fun way to make it happen. And so, as far as what kind of play it would run with them, oh my God. We're getting Pat a receiving touchdown. Yeah. And you know they're getting him one in the playoffs, by the way. Even even without this scenario right here, uh, we're going to see a Patrick Mahomes receiving touchdown in the playoffs. And, That's you know, they good. tried so hard for Kelsey to, to throw a touchdown. They tried it oh, a couple yeah. different it's, times this year that it's, it's almost <laughs> it's almost guaranteed that it's going to be Kelsey. It's all going to happen in yeah. the playoffs. It's going to be glorious. Uh, yeah. The other answer would be Kyler. We just were talking about Kyler Murray. Yeah. I think Kyler Murray, the, the only reason I would hesitate there is because he's so small. Yes. And obviously a lot of what you would be doing with the Taysom Hill type is running the ball. And you wouldn't necessarily want him to take – hits but man he can throw and he is a very dynamic runner i mean lamar obviously is is the best but kyler murray is not far behind him as a runner so those would be those would be the three guys i would say that are are for sure in the conversation our next one comes from uh jack kelly who we love the uh, we love the username and his at big hand lawyer so uh jack i don't know you you've definitely interacted with us enough i don't know if we've ever officially christened you but you are now a bird of war congratulations jack kelly uh it seems as if rogers has locked up the mvp and people cite the Chiefs' superior weapons as to why he's better than mahomes my question is how long would he survive behind the chief's offensive line which i mean this is this is the, the debate this is what everyone's been talking about if you're a packers fan you're saying that the chiefs have better weapons if you're a chiefs fan you're saying that the packers have a better offensive line it both of these offenses are incredible. They both have a ton of talent across the board. The Packers have more talent at the line 
and the Chiefs have a little bit more talent in the weapons. That's just yeah, kind of a little bit. A little bit. I mean, Devontae Adams is incredible. Aaron Jones is incredible. It's not like the Packers don't have weapons. It's a worse argument, for sure. The The Packers line compared to the Chiefs line. I mean, their their offensive line is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're extremely good. But, yeah, I, I think I agree with the premise of what Jack's going for here, which is that, yeah, if Rodgers had this Chiefs offensive line, I don't care if he's thrown to Kelsey and Hill. He would not be – he's not as mobile as, as Mahomes. And he was at one time, but he's obviously – you know, Mahomes has got 11 years on him or whatever. I mean, he uh, – yeah, I think he would struggle. I do. Yeah, I – the answer is not very long. I mean, we talked about this last week when we were recapping the Saints game. Mahomes got hit 12 times in that game, and Rodgers has been hit like 20 times all yeah. season. Right. I, I mean, it's just a – it's a completely different dynamic. I believe I saw a stat that there was a play against the Titans on Sunday – where Rodgers held the ball for 12 seconds. No. I mean, like, that's almost impossible. 12 uh, seconds. Yeah, and he wasn't pressured. And now, granted, they're going against a team that has literally, like, a historically bad pass rush. It was, like, the the most ridiculous mismatch of, <laughs> uh, you know, two lines in the NFL that you can possibly have. But, man, yeah, I, I just – I don't think Rodgers would be that successful behind this Chiefs offensive line. I mean, we've seen Pat – struggle behind this offensive line at times. Yep. We saw it on Sunday. I, I mean, it really does take a guy that has his youth and mobility and creativity, frankly, to survive some games. Uh, not always, but but some games, it's a struggle just to get in a survival mode. And to be frank, I mean, we've seen what Rodgers looks like when teams are able to get through his offensive line and pressure him because we saw Tampa Bay do it against the Packers this year. And this is one of the main arguments for Mahomes in the MVP race is that, you know, they both played Tampa and Patrick Mahomes put up, you know, shredded 300 total yards or 400 total yards in the first half and absolutely shredded them. And Rogers stunk. He threw for 160 yards and he threw two picks, you know, like I, I feel like, Rodgers would have a lot more games like that Tampa game if he didn't have the best offensive line in the league. So we appreciate the question, Jack Kelly, and welcome to the Birds of War. We got one from another Bird of War of ours, Andrew Whiteside at OUSAS. Since we have a two-week bye, feels good. Which non-Chiefs game is a much-watch this week, week 17? So, Taylor, there's a lot of different directions we could go with this. There's a lot of playoff berths on the line but a lot of teams are sitting their starters and that doesn't quite hold the same level of intrigue for me so I've got a couple that I'm looking at and weirdly they're both NFC games so one is Cardinals Rams which I'm just into because number one it's a it's a win or go home game essentially for both teams if the Cardinals win they're the seventh seed if the Rams win I believe they're the seventh seed and they might both be missing their starting quarterbacks. Jared Goff broke his thumb, so he's for sure not playing. And Kyler Murray, I don't think I don't think Kyler Murray is going to play either. Kyler is trending to play. It is oh. not it is not certain in any way. And they might just be playing some game with the Rams. He might not play, but sure. Um, but they do say that there's a better chance that he plays uh, than what they thought earlier in the year or earlier in the week. I mean, uh, but if he doesn't. Then and it's a very you know still very real possibility that he does sure um, and then yeah they've got <laughs> both teams now would be starting a backup quarterback in a in a must win scenario which I mean I, I have no idea how many times that would have happened if ever but yes it would be 
insane. That would be fun. And then the other one for me is the NFC East uh, drama, specifically with the football team. And that's just because I want to see our guy, Alex Smith, uh, who apparently, I I don't know if you caught this, Taylor, but he had a leg injury and it took him a little bit longer i mean a recent one not not the one that knocked him out for you being sarcastic yeah, no yeah, yeah he, had <laughs> he had a, a new leg injury which uh-huh. was took him longer to recover than it normally would because they took off half of his calf to yeah. graft onto the front of his leg when he suffered the previous leg injury so i pretty this gruesome. was a calf injury yes and yeah. his calf was took longer to heal because they took half of it off to heal the front of his leg half calf I mean, just as it's horrible, but uh, I'll be paying attention to that one for sure. Yep. Um, those are both two really good options. And the only other thing that I was, uh, that I will be paying attention to for sure. Dolphins bills is really fun. I know that the bills, they don't have a seed locked up. So I don't think they'll be going, you know, coasting the way that you would kind of think they would, uh, but the dolphins need to win so that that's, that's a must win for the Dolphins, and it's a would help the Bills to secure the two seed if they win for sure. Uh, because since they're twelve and three, and so are the Steelers. If the Bills lost to the Dolphins and the Steelers beat the Browns, the Steelers are the two. So um, I really like that one, and it's a divisional matchup. And if they have a really good shot at being the two versus the seven the following week in the playoffs, so it could be back to back Bills Dolphins games. I always like seeing that when you know that the team that you're facing against you know, in the regular season finale, you've got a really good shot at playing them in the playoffs. It's always fun to see how the coaches, what they show, especially if you need to win the week 17 game too, it'll be, it should be fun. Yeah, that'll be great. So we appreciate that question. Andrew we will be watching those games for sure. We've got one from unknown caller at original GMF. Hey bird. Want to get in another mailbag question for the show. The Nightman Cometh is one of my favorite episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I think it would be fun to recast the play with current Chiefs players. Who would you and Taylor pick? So let's open this up for discussion, Taylor. We've got in appearing in The Nightman Cometh, we have one Dennis Reynolds as the day man slash the, the little boy. We've got... We've got Charlie, obviously, as himself, I guess, the, the son. He's, the, Charlie's the, the day. The dame, he's the day man. He's the day man. Dennis is the boy. Sure. We've got Frank as the troll. We've got D as the waitress. And, of course, we have Mac as the nightman. So those those are the cast. Those, that's the cast we're looking at. What, what, are, what are our casting options here? <laughs> uh, they're fun. They're really fun. Uh, so a lot of the flamboyance of this episode for those of you that haven't seen the show, at least you got to Google the nightman coming. Yeah, if you've never seen it, all though. of a sudden, I mean, it's yeah, a musical it's just... and they've got the most ridiculous costumes and it's, it's just very, uh, it's very fun. And so you've got, obviously the troll is a super fun one to think about. My first thought proportion wise for the troll is Andy. That's, that's a, that's an interesting one. I, I could see it. I could see. I it. mean, you know, he's, he's one of the bigger guys on the team and he's got like a, just the, I just think he would be hilarious as the troll toll or asking for the troll toll. So um, I did think about him here. If you just mean like, who are the chiefs options? They are, they are innumerable. I mean, they're the chiefs have so many personalities here. I would say for the troll, let me, let me throw out an alternate casting option. I would cast Travis Kelsey as the troll. Oh man. I'm, I'm doing Travis the boy. Oh, okay. All right. So Trav is the boy defend. I, I think, I think Trav, uh, the, the troll demands a big personality. He's it got does. one of the biggest personalities on the it team. Uh, so I would cast him as the troll, but defend his pick as the boy. 
I will defend it. Imagine, if you will, Travis Kelsey wearing the boy costume and clapping with his two hands over his head. And, okay, I mean, that's it's pretty good. It's just Trav just has the the charisma to play Dennis. Like he, there, there are so few Chiefs that I I would feel comfortable in that role. And Travis is the one that I, he just I feel like he screams that role, and especially because I already had Andy locked in as the troll. I love your idea of Travis as the troll, just because. Frank, I mean, it's just so absurd. And and Trav is one of the guys that you could see getting really weird with it. Um, sure. Another player that I could see being the troll would be Frank Clark. I, yeah. could, I could just really see him getting real into that and, you know, asking people for the toll and being all creepy. And that, that's kind of a Frank Clark thing. Yeah, I would say for the boy, I actually would uh, cast uh, our white bread kicker, Harrison Bucker, just because I, I think uh, you want to talk about looks. I don't think he's got the acting chops. I, well, Travis Kelsey certainly, I mean, he's appeared on TV. You know, I know, he, on, he does. He was on Moonbase. So. That's, why, that's why I wanted him as the boy. That's fair. That's fair. That that would be my casting option. So then we have the the waitress. This is a an awkward one because we have an all male cast. No, nah, it'll be Brittany. Well, okay, sure. Okay, we we could cast Brittany in that role. That that makes sense actually. I, I yeah. can see that. That's a that's a good one. We'll we'll just roll with that. Brittany in that role. We also have, I guess we have like Gracie Hunt. You know, we could yeah. throw Gracie in there. Uh, you know, Gracie or Brittany. So that leaves us with the nightman, and we've got the dayman as well. So right. Who plays the night? Well, man, with the cat eyes and doing the, the karate, karate across, across the, the stage. stage. Yeah. And whoo, 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 whoo. I mean, I could see Ty doing like some flips yep. across the stage. You know, that was, he's, that was he's my gut. As well. He's very athletic. Um, Ty has a lot of personality in him, too. Like a lot of charisma and a lot of stage presence. And, you know, he uh, he's one of the guys that you always see talking to the camera and doing funny stuff. And I mean, he's, he's a personality. He might not be as outspoken as someone like Travis, but he certainly would, would melt right into that role, I think. So I, I'm not quite sure I could see anyone else playing a better Nightman than Ty. Yeah, that was actually my gut casting choice for the Nightman as well. So that just leaves us with the Charlie character, the Damien. I mean, isn't that obvious? It is. You got Brittany as the waitress, and yes. you got Patrick as the day man. I Obviously. think that's slam dunk. Now, and we know he's a singer too because we've seen him singing. <laughs> we've seen him singing and Rudolph if the Red you Nose. Ever saw him, saw him. Yeah, saw him. perfect. <clears throat> so that's our. Those are our casting options. Uh, we can always throw that up on a poll later. But we appreciate that question, unknown caller. That was a fun one. Yeah, we've got one from Discord, our Discord server. Which, if you're not a member of that, you can DM Taylor, and he will add you to our Discord server. It's just a fun place for us to hang out and talk Chiefs. It's not, you know, a public forum. So, uh, you know, just a call back to there earlier in the show. Like, uh, you know, if you get get heated with somebody on Discord, they're, we're all friends there. And um, yep. you won't get murdered like you will on Twitter. So uh, we got CK Ranger 11 has asked us a great question. Mahomes is sitting this weekend, as expected. Thoughts on whether he would sit if they were 15-0 and and going for a perfect season? It's very interesting because the Chiefs, are very very focused on the big picture and and they're very um they don't seem to really care a ton about the the individual stuff that doesn't mean a super bowl you know like they're they're not really focused on stuff like mvps and putting up big numbers and stuff like that and i feel like a 16 and 0 season is just another one of those things that to the chiefs matters so much less than the super bowl and if they were 15 and 0 and they had the one seed locked up 
I don't see Andy playing Pat. I, I just don't really think he if, – if Patrick got hurt in that game and the Chiefs didn't win the Super Bowl because they were trying to go for 16-0, and that's worst-case scenario. Um, and I think Andy would do anything in his power to avoid that worst-case scenario. So I think they would sit, but I think they would try really hard with Chad Henney to win that game. Yeah, they definitely would try hard with Chad Henney, but I think actually they might play their starters in that game, and <laughs> I will tell you why. Okay. I think that the the Chiefs, with one Super Bowl in the bag, with the monkey off their back, mm-hmm. I think that they do care a little bit about legacy. And I think yeah. part of the reason, you know, the teams that have done it, that have obviously that have tried for it. The, the only teams that have really had realistic chances at a perfect season late in the year, uh, obviously the, the Brady 16 and 0 team that made it to the Super Bowl and lost. Mm-hmm. They obviously played their starters throughout and, and played a very competitive week 17 game against the giants that they barely won playing their starters the whole way. And obviously that, that was a meaningless game except for the record uh, and the Colts, the Manning Colts a couple of times had, yeah. uh, undefeated records yeah four, they had a 14 and 0 start and then sat i think the last two games yeah and finished 14 and 2 one year and then they had another one i think they made it to 12 and 0 or 13 and 0 where they kind of yeah. said we don't really want this the difference is though those manning teams manning had not won a super bowl yet i don't believe with the colts i'd have to check my math on that but my reasoning is this i think that the chiefs with the super bowl in the bag now Maybe not with one Super Bowl in the bag. I think if the Chiefs had, like, let's say they won this year and they're 15-0 and 0 next year, I think they absolutely go for it. Because at that point, your legacy is secure. You're coming off back-to-back Super Bowls. It's a lot like the Warriors when they set the single-season wins record and they got Good 73 call. wins. They were like coming that. off their the, first title, I believe. Yeah. And they're coming back and they're like, well, screw it. We got our NBA championship. Let's go set a wins record, too. And then they ended up losing the championship that year, but then they came back and won another couple after that. I mm-hmm. think the Chiefs recognize that they have a window. It's so it's I mean, it's essentially impossible to go undefeated. And I think the chance to do something that has only been done once in the NFL before and in a fourteen game season. So to go nineteen and zero, something that no team has ever done, I think they'd go for it. I actually think that they would do it. Um I, the fact that it's against the Chargers and it's a divisional opponent, you know, that could maybe play into it as well because obviously they know the Chargers really well. Um, if there was a team that they were going to beat with their backups, I think they have as good a chance of beating a division opponent with their backups as anybody. But I don't know. I, it's a fascinating question. Here's an interesting twist on it. So let's say the Chiefs, even with their backups this week, defeat the Chargers, go 15-1, and one, and win the Super Bowl. And they go 18-1 and one, and win their last 14 games of the year. Right. Yep. And then next year, they start the year fifteen and zero, and they're on a twenty nine game winning streak. <laughs> so I mean, and not only twenty nine, but that would be something like forty out of forty one, or, or yes. you know whatever. Right. So like maybe that plays into them wanting to play the game to keep the winning streak up. Sure. Or maybe it plays into Andy wanting to sit them so that they can say, ah, we're, we don't have the winning streak live anymore, but we didn't even right. play our starters that game. That The monkey's off our back with keeping the winning streak up, but yet we, we did it our way. I mean, there's so many twists in, in this, but it's a really fun – it's specifically fun for this team, for Andy, because that type of decision is, is not one that's easily made. It's not one that, you know, that there's a right answer for, really. And um, I, I would just – I sure hope we get to see it. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Yeah. What would you do if, if you were the coach? 
I think I'd play him. I'm so obsessed with the big picture. So obsessed with MVPs and records and stat stuffing and wins and all that stuff that I think if I were, if it were my decision, I would say, yeah, you got to go out there and, and win the Anko 16-0. You got to do it. But Yeah, and try for 19-0. I mean, I would play him, and the reason is this. I mean, like I said, number one, you've already got one ring in the bag. It's obviously a totally different story if you're trying for ring number one than it is yes. if you're trying for ring yes. number two, three, four, five. You have no five. wiggle room if you have no rings. Yeah, and so if the Chiefs didn't win last year, I would say absolutely you sit them. You do what's best for your long-term goal of winning a Super Bowl. But since you already have one in the bag, I think I would do it. And, you know, even if you even if you just go 16-0 and in the regular season, that's only been done one time by the yep. Patriots. And that's still an amazing historical accomplishment. You're tying a single-season record for wins. You're going undefeated in the regular season, even if you end up losing in the playoffs – I mean, obviously, the Patriots have a certain amount of ignominy. Nobody will ever forget the 18-1 and Patriots, but I'd I'd go for it. Well, so good question, CK Ranger. We appreciate that. Um, Thanks for interacting with us on Discord. And finally, our last one comes from our guy, Bird Award, Jason Schwinn. And he asked us, draft the best quarterbacks to never win a Super Bowl. He actually asked this a while ago about – a month ago and we said we'd do it and then we put it off. And I think Austin and I both ended up making a list and losing a list, uh, but we have since recreated it. So uh, we're here for you, Jason. We, we like this question, just never really got around to it. Um, best quarterbacks to never win a Super Bowl Doesn't mean that they didn't get there. just means they never have a ring. So yep. um, I believe you drafted first in our last draft. So that's correct. So you have go... the floor. However, with a caveat that we agreed that you cannot draft Dan Marino because yes, it's, yes. it's patently obvious that the best quarterback to never win a Super Bowl is Dan it's, Marino. It's so. not an interesting draft choice, and right. it's not. It's and his board. tier is so much higher than all these other guys. Correct. The, the, yep. the difference, the gap between Marino and all these guys is fast. So, yes. no, no Dan Marino. He's off the board. He's taken at zero overall by no one. Correct. Uh, at one overall, I've got some fun and interesting choices, as we will, for this whole exercise. But I think I'm going to go with Matt Ryan. And Interesting. Yeah, um, I, I thought about some of the other guys, and I just feel like at the end of the day, um, I've been extremely impressed with Ryan's entire career and what he's been able to accomplish with um, just with his time in Atlanta. He did make it to a Super Bowl, obviously was up 28-3, and then, you know, stuff happened. Um, but he's been durable. He has put up prolific passing numbers that – you know, if it weren't for the existence of someone like Drew Brees, I think maybe Matt Ryan would be looked at a little bit more highly in the overall quarterback echelon. But uh, and he does have an MVP, which is um, you know it, it's notable in this list. Uh, so yeah, Matt Ryan is my pick at number one. So with number two, uh, I like that pick by the way, and obviously he has an MVP, one of the best single seasons ever that year that they went and took on the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and frankly yep. should have beaten the Patriots. Yeah, he was really good. He was fantastic. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take former Chief Warren Moon with Oof, the second overall pick. Love it. Uh, Warren Moon had a, Warren. a fantastic career. We've talked about him on the pod before um, in some context. I can't remember how that kind of came up. Probably in the context of ripping John Elway because they were contemporaries. Warren Moon came yeah. into the league at 28 in 1984, which is the year after Elway debuted. He uh, had long stint in the Canadian Football League yep. before he came to the NFL and took a little time to get established. Man, when he got rolling, 
in the uh, late 80s, early 90s with those Oilers teams. He was fantastic, led the league in passing yards twice. He led the league in touchdowns once. Just a really good player. Um, one of the more prolific passers of that era, really probably behind, uh, you know, Montana, Young, and Marino, probably the the next best guy after those guys of that era in a, a pretty difficult passing era. Certainly a much better quarterback than John Elway, who has two fraudulent Super Bowl rings. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Warm Moon would be my pick at number two. And then number three, I'm going to go with – Another guy who I know we talked about on the show before, I think he was an honorable mention in our draft of the best quarterbacks ever, and that's Tony Romo. Damn it. Tony Romo. He was my next pick. You no, well, I sniped I love you. Tony Romo. <clears throat> I love Tony Romo, too, and he really did have a great career. I mean, only 127 career starts, but 248 career touchdowns. That one hurt. Uh, only, um, yeah, only 117 career picks, 97.1 career quarterback rating. He was fantastic. He was a really, was. really, really good player. And obviously we get to see him now in the booth, which is very enjoyable, but it would have been nice if we had gotten to see him. I mean, same, same deal with War Moon. I mean, I, I've drafted guys here now with War Moon didn't start an NFL game until he was 28. Uh, <clears throat> Tony Romo didn't get a start until he was 26 and he was obviously a backup to Bledsoe in Dallas. So uh, he's going to be my pick at number three overall. So I'm going to go Moon and Roma. Where are you at with number four? I also just want to point out about Tony Romo that I don't think I appreciated his knowledge of the game until he became a broadcaster. Like I, I, obviously you're an NFL quarterback. You know what the hell's going on out there. Like that's, that's a given. But when I see his prowess of being able to analyze exactly what's going on, and then I realize, like, oh, yeah, he was able to do all that as he was playing quarterback, obviously. That just kind of gave me a more of an appreciation for, for his skills. He, he's a really smart guy, and I don't think a lot of these quarterbacks would be able to analyze the game the way he does. So I'm a big, big, big fan of Tony's, obviously. And, you know, he really, too, like, he um, he put up some really prolific passing numbers. I mean, his last season, his last full season was in 2014. You know, imagine him now with some of the, like, peak Romo with, like, the RPO stuff that they're running now. I mean, he would have been – he could run, too. He was a, he was a really great – Yeah, he was, really, he was, yeah, really he was mobile. He was, he yeah. was good, for sure. Uh, so, with my pick at four, I am going to pick um, always sunny favorite Donovan McNabb. Nice. He was incredible. He was really, really good. He was extremely mobile. Um, Andy obviously had a lot of fun designing plays with him and stuff. He had a hell of an arm, um, led them to a bunch of NFC championship games. He obviously only won the one uh, that he advanced to the Super Bowl. And he never he never was at the top of the pile for quarterbacks, but he was really, really, really good and is on a lot of lists for um, – you know, quarterbacks that maybe seem forgotten or that aren't on the upper echelon. And I just, uh, I really enjoyed his game. I, you know, grew up thinking that the Eagles were always a really fun offense and team. And most of that was because of Donovan. And then I guess that's back to back for me again. Um, So after McNabb, I've been, I've been agonizing over this pick. Austin doesn't want to pick him. I don't think we can make a list of a top 10 Oh, you're going to do it in a Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't really want to, but I think he deserves to be there. And that that is easy, easy target to pick on Philip Rivers. And despite 
all of the, um, I guess our past, we have, we have a past for sure. <laughs> yeah. A past for sure. <laughs> uh, but you know, rivers is extremely accomplished on in the box score and in the number compiling and all that stuff. He doesn't have an MVP and he's never been to a super bowl. Um, so that obviously hurts his legacy numbers. Uh, but he has a ton of kids. And so, you know, you got to give him credit for that. Sure. And, and I mean, he's, he does seem like a good dude. He's, he's, he bitches a lot during the games, but it seems like all of his teammates really like him. And I know that's not what this is about, but I do have to say that once he left the Chargers, I have felt a little bit better about Rivers existing in the NFL. But uh, that being said, I still don't really like picking him here. But this isn't my favorite. This is best. And he's been a great quarterback for the most part. Yeah, I'd say he's been a I'd say he's been a, a very good quarterback for a long time. I mean I mean we're getting down to the middle tier of the list here. You know, how good can you be if you've never won a Super Bowl? Can't yep. relate. Yep. My quarterback has won one, so you know, I mean it is what it is. I've got back to back picks here and this is the part of the list where I start getting philosophical about it. Like I start questioning yeah. what does it mean to be the best quarterback? Yep. Are we talking about, you know, the guy that I would take to roll out, you know, now in 2020, you know, the, the guy that's got the best tools, what tools does he use? Uh, you know, the guy that has the best career, you know, that that's compiled the most without winning a Super Bowl. I don't know. It, it starts to get into the part of the draft where we can make arguments for a lot of different guys. So yep. I'm going to take Fran Tarkenton here uh, and Fran Lanny. Tarkenton never won a Super Bowl in part because the Super Bowl wasn't invented until like midway through his NFL career. Yep. Uh, he ended his career, I believe with the most interceptions thrown. I, I always would look back at Fran Tarkenton's stats before I had a, a better understanding of football and be like, man, this guy threw 266 interceptions <laughs> his last year in the league. By the way, he threw 32 picks in a single Ooh, season uh, in his age 38 season, which is astounding. Jameis Tarkenton. Yes, exactly. But uh, he had a great career. And despite the fact that he only led the league of touchdown passes once, he certainly was a guy who was putting up uh, pretty good passing numbers and was also a very prolific rushing quarterback rush for over 3000 yards in his career as well. A uh, guy that had a long NFL career. I just wanted to point out too, because these segments always devolve into a roasting of our favorite target, John Elway, <laughs> that he actually has a higher career passer rating than John Elway, despite the fact that he played in an even less passer friendly era. Yeah, than we'll John Elway, 80, 80.4 for Fran Tarkenton, and what is it, 79.5 or something for yeah. Elway? Whatever it is, it's bad. So Fran Tarkenton's my pick there. And then I'm going to go back to back. And again, this is where it starts to get philosophical. Yep. Yep. And I'm going to pick Michael Vick. Ooh, which I love that pick. Is I get that it's, you know, it really calls into question what it means to be best. We've talked about Michael Vick on this show before. And I'm just going to repeat what I've said previously about Michael Vick. Michael Vick just, he was born. 15 years too early, man. Like if Michael Vick played in the NFL in 2020, you know, people Michael Vick, he'd be better than Lamar yeah. and yes. he probably yes. would be better than Kyler Murray. And he'd be, I mean, like offenses now would have killed with Michael Vick quarterback. And yep. we saw a very brief flashing moment of it when Michael Vick got out of prison for dog fighting and got Andy Reid as his head coach. And Andy Reid really, in a preview of kind of the offense that we have today, designed this offense around Michael Vick. And it was awesome. He was amazing that year. Yeah. Um, threw for over 4,000 yards, or I think uh, 
3,800 or something like that, had a, certainly a pretty prolific passing total for him, rushed for a ton of yards. Eagles had a great offense that year. I mean, and that was a diminished Michael Vick. That was Michael Vick that had spent two years in prison and hadn't played in the NFL. You know, like he was a really, really good player. And I, I wish we had gotten to see him in this year of the NFL, but he's my pick there. Yep. I, I like that a lot. That's a great pick. He was dynamic. He was obviously one of the players that, you know, around that time in the NFL, like everyone was just always watching and talking about Mike Vick. He was just, he was incredible. Yeah. Um, I think I'll round this out by selecting another Eagles quarterback. So we had Donovan on there. We had Mike Vick on there. I'm going to go with Carson. Went- no, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. going to go, I'm going to go with Randall Cunningham. I think that nice. I like he it. is kind of the proto Mike Vick. Um, he was extremely mobile, but he also could throw pretty well. He had, he was an all pro. He had five years where they got at least double digit wins um, where his team got at least double digit wins. He ran for 942 yards in 1990, which was the record until Vick broke it. And was, and he just had, he had 35 career rushing touchdowns was just a really, really fun mobile quarterback. One of those guys that, you know, he played in the nineties mostly um, or mid eighties to 2001. So it wasn't really the right era for him either. It, he was just right there before Vic came around and it just wasn't, the game was never really built for his skill set. but he still piled up yards and touchdowns and, you know, always had, he 11 of his 15 years are with the Eagles. He spent a little bit of time with Minnesota, which I remember pretty well, but yeah, uh, Randall Cunningham was always a, a fan or a fun favorite of mine. And so I would, I would go with him. That is a great pick. Now you have one final pick, which you may or may not have realized, but you actually have one more pick. Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, cool. Bonus. Well, so I'm extremely prepared for this. Yes, I can tell. And so I'm going to go with Ryan. This is going to be, this is going to be, oh, you picked Ryan Fitzpatrick. I was hoping that it was going to be like in the draft where if a team doesn't turn in its draft card, the next team gets gets the steal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But you, you, you got it off pretty quick. I I got Ryan Fitzpatrick in there. I was deciding. He's never even been to the playoffs, bro. He's never been to the playoffs. That's correct. I'm really hoping that the Dolphins make it in so that he can play a playoff game. I think his story is fantastic. And I think he's one of those guys that is going to go down in, in NFL lore for a lot more of the offbeat reasons, you know, I mean, it's not just that he was an okay quarterback because he was, he's been a pretty good quarterback, but the seven teams, eight teams that he's played for is incredible. The, the story of how he's always on the team as the backup and then the starter gets hurt every single time. Like it's, it's spooky at some point. Like he's just, he's played for every team in the AFC East, except for new England. He's, He's just been obviously the Harvard thing is is a lot of fun. The big beard, the the crazy like he just fits magic and fits tragic is such a funny concept that he can either be otherworldly or he can just throw the dumbest interceptions of all time. Like there's just a lot of stuff about Fitz that's very unique for him. And I kind of went I guess you called it going philosophical there, but I felt like with that last pick, I was just picking between a bunch of guys. I mean, you're, you know, you're getting to the point now where it's like Matt Stafford and Carson Palmer and Cam Newton and, you know, guys that are fine, but they're, there's just nothing really that standout about them. So I went with a guy that I will remember for the rest of my life, Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
Yeah, a Super Bowl champion in our hearts. I mean, he really should have a Super Bowl ring for yeah, the I work really he did wish for us last yes. year. But that's probably against all kinds of league protocol. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to round it out. Like you said, we're getting we're getting weird with the bottom of the draft here. What what is best? I'm going to take Deshaun Watson, which uh, nice. I know cool. is uh, kind of a little goofy, but Deshaun Watson is really good. He's been amazing this year. He's actually really taken a step forward i feel like this season despite he you know, the fact that he does he's second in the nfl this year and that despite bill o'brien trading away you know his best wide receiver and being his head coach and a total jabroni for half the season and right you know we've got uh you know the whipping boy jack easterby the former pastor behind the the scenes in houston now who knows what's going on with that whole situation all their machinations there john watson is really good um you know, I get it. He's only played three seasons in the NFL. He has not won a ring yet. So he was up twenty-four to nothing in a playoff game before his defense blew it over the Super Bowl champion. So you know, yeah. that's that's like winning a Super Bowl. You know who uh, has more interceptions, or do you know how many more interceptions Watson has this year than Mahomes? I do not take a stab because you know Mahomes has six. I know Mahomes has six, and if Watson's passer rating is higher than Pat's, it can't be that many more. It's got to be, I'm going to say nine. So nine nine total. He also has six. Yes, he has 30 touchdowns to six picks. Mahomes has 38 touchdowns to six picks. Good for you, Deshaun. You know where Deshaun ranks in passer or passing yards in the NFL? I do not, but I would guess that he's probably in the top five. So he's probably third. He is second. Behind wow, Mahomes. Okay. He wow. passed Josh that. Allen this week. He passed Matt Ryan this week. Wow. All right. I mean, well, he's good, really, really good. Good <laughs> pick me. Really good. I obviously I obviously was very prepared for that pick as well. But hey, <laughs> you know, that's great. I love it when, you know, you uh you turn in the draft card, you're like, oh, oh I'm on the clock. They're, yeah, well, and everyone's ten, like, dude, got nice ten pick. seconds left. I got <laughs> ten seconds left to make my pick. All right, all right. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna yeah. nail it. Yeah. Uh that that closes out our draft. Uh that brings us to the final segment on our show, which is uh, the preview segment. The Chiefs are playing the Chargers this week. The game doesn't matter. Taylor, is there anything anything you care about? I'm interested in the lower depth pieces. I'm interested to see if Darwin Thompson does anything. I'm interested to see if um, DeAndre Baker does anything. There's just some guys that haven't gotten the chance to really do anything this year. And I want to see them in – I want to see him take live bullets. I want to see Ricky Seals-Jones catch, catch a ball. Like just, you know, stuff like that. Um, but no, in general, I want everyone to come out of it healthy. I want the chiefs to win the game pretty badly actually, which is sad, but um, I want to see him go 15 and one. I, I think there's some, some real chutzpah there, some real panache to going 15 and one that I don't really feel with 14 and two. Yeah. 15 and one would be a pretty incredible record. Obviously the chiefs team to go 15 and one or better. The chiefs have already set their franchise record with the 14th win this past week. To get it to 15 would be pretty extraordinary. And, yeah, I agree. I mean, we're obviously we're, – we're looking to see how the backups do. We're hoping everybody comes out of the game healthy. To be honest with you, Taylor, my only wish for this game is that the Chiefs win by more than one score. I don't know how it's possible. I mean, it is the Chargers. We are playing our backups. But I just want to see – I want to see the backups come out and be like – Trash it. Fuck y'all. Yeah. You're concerned that we've won seven straight games by one score. Yeah. All right. Let's beat the Chargers by 30. All right. Like, going to be dropping bombs. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I, 
hesitate to predict anything because I yeah. also predicted that Pat would throw six touchdowns last week. And yes. he instead had the worst game that he's ever played in the NFL. So yeah. I don't want to make predictions, but hopefully we'll be back next week to recap a Chiefs win. Get ready for the playoffs. Mm-hmm.